Hi, I'm Tim Lovejoy, and this is my award-winning podcast, The Lovejoy Hour. Coming up in the next few weeks, music industry boss Alan McGee, who famously signed Oasis. But I knew they were good, and I, but I didn't know they were superstars when I signed it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just thought they're another one of they, these good bands that I bump into. I find out about the adult entertainment industry from Kieran Lee, who's one of the biggest porn stars in the world. Excuse the pun. I just look at the director, and he'll just give me a nod, and it's basically countdown. Three, two, one. And on the weekends, I release my football podcast, The Eight is a Dan of Football. He looked at me again and he said, Every time the ball comes in the box, son, you go to bloody pieces. <laughs> the Lovejoy Hour, available in all the usual podcast places and some unusual ones too. Hello and welcome to the Talk Derby to Me podcast. I'm Blake Fellows, brought to you by, well, first of all, a, a brand new microphone. <laughs> so you might be able to hear me a little bit clearer this week. I've uh, I've broken the bank and, uh, and got myself a decent microphone after, what, 18 months of, of doing this. So, right, brought to you by a, a new microphone, SMJ Brady Construction, brought to you from the heart of the heart of Derby with, with Fran Brady running that, Elite Football Development, the coaching company EliteFootballDevelopment.co.uk run by Ben Osborne and Jack Andrews coming to Derby very soon and DovedaleFleetLogistics.com so go and check all of them out as ever I always say this you don't have to buy anything off them or go and be coached by them or just go and like them or support them because they make this happen they make the podcast happen they keep me and trainers and microphones so <laughs> just go and support them because it's local Derby businesses supporting a local Derby podcast so thank you to them Today we've got Jakob Larsson, who Derby's Player of the Year in 1998, went on to play for Leicester and Copenhagen, a really good career, Danish international, played at the World Cup and the Euros, scored a, a famous goal against Manchester United uh, in Derby's first season back in the Premier League in 1997 against Peter Schmeichel, a long-range free kick, which he's, he's famous for, we do discuss that. Uh, we discuss his career, how he got started, his coaching company that he's set up now in Denmark that I know he's going to be coming over and maybe doing stuff with uh, Elite Football Development, which is uh, a little bit of a link because of the podcast. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, a lovely chat, a lovely bloke. So let's get let's get to it. His um, former Derby, Leicester, Copenhagen, uh, centre-half and Danish international, Jakob Larsson. So, Jakob Larsson, welcome on to, to Talk Derby to me. How are you in these difficult times at the moment? Uh, thank you for, for having me. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, like uh, we just uh, talked about, uh, not much happening. Um, make sure the kids are okay. Uh, they go to school and, and stuff like that. Uh, not much much else. Um, do a bit of a private uh, coaching. Uh, we're still allowed here in Denmark to... Uh, to coach uh, five in a group, so so that's okay. Um, so that's what the, most of the Saturdays and Sundays uh, I do. What what's your role within football at the minute? Is it is it on the coaching side now? Is that what your what your job is? Yes, what it is is like uh, a partner, a 
and myself, we've uh, started a, a company called Fubo, where we um, we use this new uh, technology where kids uh, have uh, they train in groups of normally we have five or fifteen at a time, but five and five in there, three different exercises. And what it is is like it's actually something that's controlled by lights uh, and a tablet. And then after the training, the kids can they uh, have downloaded an app. So after the training session, they can see their results and if they're improving and stuff like that. And what it is is like it's it's improving their touches, their passing ability, and their ability to like look around and orientate where to pass the ball before they get it. And uh, we do that. Uh, I mean, in a training session with us, they have like between 900 and 1100 touches of the ball. And in a normal training session, uh, if you have a good coach, uh, you'll have 200. So um, it's very popular here. And we, we started out in November and we did like one hour and we had two. Now we do um, Wednesday evenings, Friday evenings, eight hours on a, a Saturday, eight hours on a Sunday. So it's, it's just taken off, it's, it's unbelievable. How did you first get involved in that then? How did you get involved in, in doing that? Uh, I just thought like uh, I would like to uh, give young players uh, an opportunity to, to, well, I just wanted to give out some of my experience I had from football and I wanted to coach them and, and try and tell them what they need to do to become a good football player. And in that process, uh, I met, uh, met this guy that I, I've actually played with like uh, when I was a young player. Uh, and he was doing this and, and we talked and he said, oh, it could be good if you come in and stuff like that. And then it just, you know, one, one thing led to, the, uh, to another. So, yeah, so that's where we are today. Wow. So when we do this, this podcast normally, Jakob, we, we start right at the very beginning. So what, what were your first memories of football and and growing up and first getting involved in the game. Can you remember first getting involved and first playing? Uh, I mean, uh, well, it depends on how far back you want to go. As far uh, as you can I remember. Mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can remember when I was a young boy. Uh, and especially because when I was at the age of uh, eight, uh, I played for a local team here uh, in Denmark, uh, from, from Weile, where I come from. And we had a very, very good team uh, in that year. We played something like 42 games and we only lost one. And we actually became uh, champions of Denmark. And that was sort of like my first experience of football and where I was the captain of the team. And uh, in those days, it was like 11 v 11, even though that you were only eight. But we won. And then I thought, like, oh, this is great. I love football and all that. And from there on, it just took off really you know you wanted to do more and train more and, and stuff like that what was it like at the time to make the step up to professional football was there a, like academy setups or center of excellence or how do you make the gap to to make it professional in denmark at that time uh, at that time i was playing for the local team but also in Bali we had like one of the teams that was playing in the in the top league uh, senior football uh, and when i became sort of i think i was 12 I said to my dad, listen, um, I want to go and play for this club. And he said, OK, that's fair enough. Uh, you can do that. Uh, we'll support you. Uh, and he said, uh, 
Uh, and I have to tell you, from where I live to this club, there's like uh, 11 kilometers. And he said, uh, you go and do that, and your bike is out there, and you take that to training and back every time. Uh, but we'll support you at the weekends. And I said, hey, no problem. This is what I want to do. And then you went to this club, and, and obviously their teams were playing at the highest level in Denmark. At that time, you didn't have academies as such and, and stuff like that. Uh, I went there, and, and within becoming 15, they actually saw that I had a special talent and that. And from when I was 15, I actually trained with the first team, first senior team. It started out the first, uh, I think it was only the first six months. It was like once a week. And then it was like twice a week. And after a year, that was all I was doing. I only trained with the under uh, 17s. Uh, it must have been in Denmark, 17s. Under 17s once a week only so I could play games with them. The rest of the time I was uh, training with the first team and, and stuff like that. And that's how it, it developed. Can you remember your debut? Uh, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Uh, it was uh, it was, uh, it was actually a funny game. It was a cup game. We played up uh, north uh, of Denmark uh, against Olborg, and I was I don't know. I think um, I just I might have just turned seventeen uh, or just about to, um, and I came on in this game and. Um, we had, uh, at that time, it was the last season of one of the greatest footballers in Denmark um, who actually won uh, a European Player of the Year in, I think it was 77, Alan Simonsen, who played for Charlton, and yes. he was still in the team. So, so yeah, I remember that. Wow. Um, you had, like, success in Denmark. Was it two First Division titles you won in, in, in Denmark before you moved over to England? Uh, one, and then uh, when I, I left Derby, I came back to FC Copenhagen and won um, another championship with them. So yes, it's it's right. I have two two medals, and uh, one with Silkeborg that was before I joined Derby, and one with FC Copenhagen after I left Derby. So just before you you signed for Derby in in July 1996, it's obviously Euro two, Euro 96 in England. Um, you played in that. Uh, what are your memories of playing in? Was that your first time playing in England, firstly? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, well, the memories weren't that good. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, we lost all three games. Um, the national coach at that time had already, just before the, the, the finals, he said, like, uh, I'm going to stop after the finals and go and join Finland. Um we were a young group of players who's actually helped them uh, qualify for the finals. But when we'd qualified and just before the finals, uh, he he was the coach who won the European Championship in 92. And he brought in uh, some of his old players and that created uh, a little bit of problem within the, the squad. Um, so it wasn't the best of the finals and um, yeah, uh, not the best of memories. No. Did that? Did playing in Euro 96 help you get the move to Derby or was that kind of sorted out before the tournament? No, I, that was sorted out before the tournament. Uh, what happened is like uh, Derby actually, I actually spoke to, to Jim Smith uh, way back when they were in the championship before they signed uh, Stimmets, uh, Igor Stimmets. He was over, we sort of, 
uh, met. Uh, he agreed a fee with Silgeborg. I agreed to come over and stuff like that. And then at the time, I think they lost a lot of games. And he was like, oh, what's going to happen in that? And then uh, was it the right move and stuff like that? And then all of a sudden he said, okay, I need to have somebody who's more experienced than you are because uh, obviously Igor at that time had, had uh, a lot more experience than I had. Uh, and he brought him in, but he said, listen, I still like you. We're going to follow you and stuff like that. And then uh, we had a, a tournament with the national team in, in Bangkok in January. Uh, end of January, 96, uh, start of February. And I had a quite, I think I had three really good games there. And what we did was like, after that came back, they they watched me in those games and said like, listen, we want to do something. Uh, and at the time I was like, Derby was back winning and like just won all their games. And he said like, listen, if we get promoted, uh, we'll sign you. And I remember like every weekend or every Monday watching like the, the tables and everything. Oh, how was Derby doing? Because I knew I was going to go if, if they got promoted to the Premier League. And when I started looking, they might have had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 points now. And then in the end, it actually came to that game against the Crystal Palace at the baseball ground. Like, was it two, two uh, rounds or one round before the, the end of the season? And they qualified. I don't remember we had to play at Silgeborg. And I knew that if Derby uh, would win that game, I was going to go there. So I was more interested in how it's going in that game than, than our own game. Um, and then obviously things were agreed, uh, but we had to go straight to um, to go and prepare for the for the final. So I got like three or four days off, came over, uh, picked out a house where to live, and and got things uh, sorted for when the finals were over. What were your first impressions arriving in Derby then at that time? Obviously the rangeway at the time, the training ground and everything. What were your first impressions arriving in Derby? I mean, the thing is, like, being brought up in Denmark and me being a, a young boy, like, uh, late 70s uh, through the 80s, it's like, we could only watch, it, we watched the English football on a Saturday. That was the only football we could watch at that time. They're always in the winter months showed English football, yeah. Further on in the 80s, we, on the Sunday, we could watch Italian football, but it was it was English football. So for me, just to get the chance to get to the to the Premier League and, and play there, that was that was more than enough. They could have put me some, yeah, the worst place, and I would still still have been happy. And I have to say, like um, now looking back, um, I really really appreciate that I actually got the chance of of playing at the baseball ground because I find that the new stadiums, they're all the same. But walking into the baseball ground, you could feel the history of that stadium and, and stuff like that. And, and you know, even uh, through the corridors where you have the changing room and all that, there was almost like the carpet was like bent and you could see here has been like there's been like 200 footballers going through here and that it was, it was that was lovely and the experience of playing in a stadium where it's like we had like what a meter two meters to the first uh, supporters like the first row supporters 
and I thought I, I, today I feel really lucky I got that experience and uh, and uh, to play in a stadium like that. Rainsway, yeah, it was not. Uh, it wasn't the most fantastic training facilities, but then again, it was because what the difference between what we have in Denmark and England is like in England you have like a groundsman who's there every every day. So the training pits was absolutely fantastic. We had like uh, one and a half training pits, and it was always nicely done up and and stuff like that. And then again. You get into the changing rooms at Rainsway, and you feel the history. They had like uh, things on the wall with sayings about just small sayings and stuff like that. So you actually feel a responsibility when you walk into something where there's a lot of history. You can actually feel it, and for me that was um, that was fantastic. Your debut. Well, things didn't get off to as good a start as I think you would have hoped. <laughs> the uh, it was it was quite a topsy turvy game anyway. Derby's first game back in the Premier League, a three 0 draw against Leeds, but it wasn't the best afternoon and best debut for you, was it, Jakob? No, it's it's it was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, I remember normally we had like before the the season starts, we we normally had like a, a game against a foreign team, a bigger team, and that. And I couldn't play in that one because we were away with the um, uh, with the national team, so I couldn't play in that one. Uh, we start on the Saturday, and I have to play at the back in the centre in a in a three defence. And I have to say, uh, I mean, the referee should have sent me off after three seconds because what happens is like we agreed that they uh, I can't remember who. We had the ball to start off with, and they had to play it back to me, and I had to play a ball a certain way. And I slip, and I'll tell you one thing: I see out of my eye that I think it's Ian Ross coming, and I stop the ball with my hand. And I just think that the ref couldn't lie; he just thought, "No, I'm not going to send him send him off after three minutes." So I stopped it, got up, and kicked the ball. And then I don't know, was it half an hour own goal? Uh, it, it couldn't have been worse. And then. Um, yeah, it couldn't have been worse than that. But did, then again, did you, what you did, it, did you, did you, did send you off? <laughs> no, no, no. He should have. He should have. But but you know. But then again, this is football, and and this is then we played against I think it was Tottenham, um, sort of straight after and that. Hey, they had a good game, hit the post and stuff like that. And then you're back into it and stuff like that. And you know, the thing is, like sometimes it does take time to like get used to things and, and stuff like that because what players don't realise is like how physical the English game is. It's like, it's so, so physical. So you have to get used to it. And uh, after the first game for, I think, three or four months, they put me out to play right wing back. And it's just, it just wasn't my position. But actually, it helped me adapt to the game over there and and learn how to play and also how they wanted me to play and stuff like that and and then um, yeah things worked out aside from the, the physicality side of things was there a, a step up in standard to come and play in the in the english premier league was it a, a better standard and, and did you find it a step up at the time or was it was definitely it yeah definitely of course it was a, a step up better players uh, uh better teammates obviously I played with in the national team. I had really good uh, teammates who was at the highest level 
uh, but you only met up with them what five times a year. Uh, here it's like every day, and and as we progressed with Derby, uh, we also got better and better players in, and and I think we had a really really group of, a good group of of players who wanted to learn and stuff like that. So when we brought in players who actually came with more experience than us, we we wanted to learn from them. It was not like, oh, okay, they come in and they think they've done this and that. Yes, actually, and that helped us. And that's, I think that's why we were so uh, successful. You mentioned um, the standard of teammates at the international level. And early on in the season, you scored a goal against Manchester United past uh, one of your international colleagues, Peter Schmeichel. Um, what are your memories of that? What are your memories of, of that? Because you didn't take many free kicks for Derby County. Because I've, I've put out on social media today about questions for for yourself while we do this and one of the biggest questions was why didn't you take more free kicks <laughs> uh the first season it was because we had a sandwich and he wanted to take them uh it was the same with the national team we were all always practicing uh when we were together with the national team and there was me and one more and i just have this thing it's like it looks stupid that we are on the pits and we argue and who's taking the free kicks and stuff like that and then Maybe I was a bit too polite uh, because uh, I scored quite a few goals uh, from free kick when I played in Denmark. So, you know, uh, yeah, it was a great goal. And I think that also helped me like settle at Derby because it was early on, I think September or something we played against Man United. Yeah. So so that helped as well. Um, and... Uh, Peter wasn't too pleased at the time and we joked about it a, a few times later on. But uh, yeah, he couldn't do much. No. Whose goal was better that day, yours or Beckham's? Mine. <laughs> it was. It was but it all joking aside, it was a two brilliant goals and obviously Beckham did it was doing it and, and just arrived on the scene at the time and, and it was a brilliant result and it kind of Cement Derby had come up and got, it was a, kind of the first big result Derby had got, wasn't it? And it's kind of settled Derby down into the Premier League. That's true. And, and I think with uh, with the result there and also, like I said before, I think the second game of the season was against uh, Tottenham away where we drew nil-nil. And I think that sort of made and we thought like, OK, we've actually got something here. And if we can just stay focused, and, and I have to say that's what... And the manager and, and the coaching staff with uh, Steve McLaren being the head of them, that's where they were really, really good. It's like they prepared us for all the games in the right manner. And also, they never lost focus. Never. Uh, I know things could get heated uh, during the game and at halftime and stuff like that, but, but it was actually... They, they actually knew what we had to do to stay up, and I think that's why we stayed up the first season. And then, of course, the baseball ground as well helped. Yes. Well, I'm going to get on to that next, but just quickly before, we've had quite a few players on, um, some of whom have played for McLaren as a manager recently when he's, when he's managed the club. But everyone who's played for him over both generations have said one of the best coaches they've, they've ever played for. How important was, was Steve in, in the success of Derby that time? Was he as good a coach as, as people say? Uh, I think he was. I think... Uh, but it's not only one person who makes a team. And I think that's where they were really, really good. It's like uh, uh, we had 
a very good manager who was actually um, during the pre-season and all that was very, very good, like uh, talking to us players, uh, telling us what he wanted from us and, and stuff like that. Then we had Steve who could like do the training sessions and and build us as a team. Uh, and I think, you know, at half times they were really good together because they had a good sense of like when to have a go at players, when to like do something else, when to change the tactics. And, and I think actually them two together work really well. Uh, and uh, I have to say, I know the manager didn't take many training sessions and, and that, but, um, but the training sessions with uh, Steve were always good. They were well prepared. There was like um, a purpose and he was full of energy. I can't remember one day where he's come into training and being down and said, oh, I can't do this or, or you know. So, so no, it's, it was actually a pleasure to come in and train every day. And that helps the team because then, you know, if you do a good training session, you we actually prepared for our games. We trained like we were playing, playing on a Saturday and that helped us. So that's why, yeah. Good, very, very good coach. Very good team. People like Steve and Jim, like when you coach now and and go into coaching, do you take things away from what they did and um, take their some some inspiration or or some some things away from what they do um, uh, into your coaching? Well, yeah, I mean, what we do is is basically just individual coaching. So in that sense, it's it's like. Uh, there's not too much we can take from it, apart from being always being prepared, coming with the energy. But if, if I was to be a manager, yes, I definitely would. There, there are certain traits they had or have that that you would you would bring in as a manager yourself, um, where you say this was really good, this worked, this was why we never had too many problems in our squad. Uh, people seemed fairly happy, even those that didn't play. Um, and uh, the way they treated us and stuff like, yes, there's there's a lot of things I, I would take uh, take with me from from them too. Obviously, a brilliant side as well that that did really well and probably well, not probably the most successful Derby County side of my lifetime and of a lot of people. In the last 30, 30 odd years, it's been the most successful Derby side. What was it about the side that that made them go be able to go into the Premier League and compete? Uh, because we were not uh, the players they brought in, uh, Jim Smith and Steve McLaren, uh, and even Billy McEwen, because he was also a big part of it. Uh, uh, it's like they brought in players who were hungry, who wanted to play football, and who didn't have the old mentality of how to do things. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, um, we had a we had an, epi uh, an episode when, I think it was the second season I was, I was there, we brought in the two Italians, uh, Stefano, Iranio and, and Baiano, and we had a break. And I remember that the manager wanted to go somewhere where it's warm and nice. Um, uh, to to yeah just to rest and 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 stuff like that. But we as a squad went to the manager and said no 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 
this is not what we want to do. We want to stay at home and prepare for the next game. So we're prepared instead of doing that. And that was our mentality. We wanted to learn uh, and there's no stone unturned in how to like improve the team. And that that's why I think they got more or less the best out of all of us. And, and then we, I think we were a good team together. We had the, they've put together the right personalities and, and stuff like that. But basically because we wanted to train, we wanted to prepare to do the right things. For us, it was like, this was the chance. And, and I think uh, maybe the only downside to things is like some of the players actually, uh, yeah, a lot of us left Derby. If, if they had been done more to keep us together, like as a team, and and I think there was a, we had a good young group. We could have stayed together. As that's the only thing I regret is like that we didn't have the chance to stay together for ten years because that's that's what we should have done, and we would have been even more successful. Well, I'll I'll touch on that again uh, just a bit later about you you leaving. But is it difficult to obviously it's easy for someone to spot someone who's good at football and go, well, he's got a bit of potential, but to, to sign the right characters to put a group to get that, that together, that's a, that's a completely different skill, isn't it? To, to try and spot a character rather than just a, a young player who's got potential to be a good footballer. Yeah, I think so. And I agree. It, and that's why you have uh, good managers and managers who are not so good. And I'm not just talking about uh, <clears throat> buying big players and big stars and stuff like that. But putting together at the level you're at a really good, uh, successful and competitive team. Uh, it's like having that feel for, oh, we bought a right back, he's like that. We need a central defender like that. Uh, the strikers can be like that. So there's no, I think what, what was one of the best things is like there are never any jealousy between the players. There might have been a small little problems uh, between one or two of the strikers at, at, at a certain time, but not really between 95% of the squad. And that's why we could actually deal with problems if we had problems, because uh, all knew where we were going and what we wanted to do. And, and we were actually trying, what we were trying to do is, was for the best of the team and not just for ourselves. So you signed for Derby County in um, 1996 at the baseball ground, have one season and then go to Pride Park. So what's the transition like from being at the baseball ground to being at Pride Park? It's it's like completely different, isn't it, to, as a footballer? Yeah, oh, it is. I mean, it, it, you cannot compare those two things. <clears throat> the baseball ground is um, a fantastic place to, play, uh, to have played. Um, like I said uh, early on, history, uh, fantastic. And the togetherness you have with the fans, the supporters, the banter you even have with the uh, uh, home supporters and away supporters. It's like, it's fantastic. It, it creates an unbelievable uh, atmosphere. Um, but going to the to Pride Park, just like made sure that we could play a different kind of football because you got out to a fantastic pitch. It was bigger. It was wider, everything was new. Uh, we had 
even at the time when I was playing there, we had like nearly 30,000 or 30,000 plus every weekend when we played at home. So the atmosphere there, the roar when you got out, it just got you going. I mean, you could play even if you had a fever just coming into that. So so you cannot really compare them because they were, they're both, in my view, uh, fantastic, uh, both places, both stadiums. Connect Red are a Midlands-based telecommunications company with branches in Cannock, Derby and Burton-on-Trent in partnership with Vodafone UK. Our shops are currently closed due to the pandemic, but we are here to help in any way we possibly can. Get in touch with us for any of your tech and communication needs, consumer or business, and we can tailor individual packages and cater for multi-bundle deals too. Visit us at connectred.co.uk. That's C-O-N-N-E-K-T-R-E-D and drop us a message. So 1998, you, you go to the World Cup and come back to Derby and the following season get player of the season, 1998, 1999. Um, is that one of the best periods of your career? Uh, I think for me, it, it was just a, a development that I was in that started from when I was about 20 and moved to Silgeborg. It was just a progress that's at, at that time. That was just a... The peak of things is like uh, I've been to the World Cup. It was a fantastic experience. Um, I've had two seasons in the Premier League, knew what it was all about. Uh, trained at an unbelievable uh, level for two years and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it just a great time. Could we, you touched on it quick, uh, briefly earlier. Um, could Derby, when you eventually leave, could Derby have done more to hold on to you and maybe keep you at Derby County? Uh, it's always easy to sit here and say, yes, you could have done that. Uh, to be fair, yes and no. I don't. I think they did everything. Um, they offered me a new long contract. Um, the problem was I was... Um, uh, I'd just been divorced and I had two two kids who, who moved back to Denmark with their mother. And I would say if I'd had like, if I'd had like six months more uh, knowledge of what it would be like being divorced, I would have stayed. And I think looking back in, in hindsight, maybe... Darby, my agent, and myself, and even with my ex-wife, because we didn't have any problems between us, there were any, there's no animosity, anything between us. We should have sat down and said, like, listen, what is it? The best thing is for Jakob to stay here, definitely. I mean, no two ways about that. And it was basically what I wanted to do. So how do we do it so he can see his kids and, and stuff like that? Uh, and because when I did that, bad move to Leicester who didn't work out. I actually had my kids flown over every second weekend and it worked. So I should have just done that and stayed at Derby. But at the time, there wasn't any, I think, I don't know whether the manager, my agent, uh, well, 
myself. I don't want to sit and blame anybody because it's nobody's fault. We're a bit uh, afraid to say like, listen, hey, let's sit down and, and talk about that. And that's what I would do if I was a manager today and I have a, a, a player you're happy with, you love, and you know he loves the place. And I, I sit down and say, listen, how do we sort this out? And I would even speak to those who is the problem of well, the reason why he wants to leave and see can we can we find a solution? And that's that's the only regret and biggest mistake in my football career was that um, I left. I should never have done that. And actually, and this is something I, I don't think uh, any Derby fans know. Uh, I went to FC Copenhagen. We had a gentleman agreement that I could move back uh, if I wanted to, and. <laughs> I'd actually said goodbye to FC Copenhagen a year later and was on my way back. I've taken my football boots. I was going to fly over and re-sign uh, for Derby. But uh, my agent called me on the way back and said, like, Tim Smith has just been sacked and the new manager doesn't want you. So, no. if I th- yeah, I think <clears throat> had he been in the job one more week, I would have signed, re-signed for Derby because I wanted to come back. And, and we at that time, uh, like... 11, 12 months later, we knew how to deal with things and, and the dust had settled a bit. So that's one of the things that not many people know, but I'd actually said goodbye to, to all of my teammates um, at uh, FC Copenhagen and brought my boots back with me. Wow. That's, yeah. I never knew that. I was, I was watching no? it. That's incredible. Mm. Um, did... It's a tough question, because you know, it didn't work out for you going to Leicester. First of all, how did it come about you you getting the move to go and play for Leicester and what didn't quite work out for you there, Jakob? What what was it about Leicester? Bad decision mm. uh, from uh, from both uh, sides. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I wanted to get back to the UK to play football. I would have loved to go back to Derby, but that um, that didn't work out. Uh, but I wanted to come back to the Premier League uh, and play football, <clears throat> and I got the got the chance to go to Leicester. But um, it is a wrong decision from from day one, um, and it also was from their side. I mean, um, I was good enough to play there, and and they know that, and I I did okay in in the games I had, but. Like I, I told you before, it's like at Derby, they knew what kind of players they wanted that fit, that would fit into the culture that we had at the club. I didn't fit into the culture at Leicester. And that has nothing to do with whether their culture was more right than the culture that I was used to, but I didn't fit in. And that gave oh, so many problems. Not with the manager, I have to say, Never, ever had a problem with him. He was absolutely fantastic. But the manager that took over, who was the first team coach at the time, and obviously had a lot to say who was playing and how to influence people behind the scenes and stuff like that. Our views on how to do things, how to be professional, stuff like that. Listen, it was worlds apart worlds apart it, it that never worked and and um i think one of the reasons it's it never worked is because we actually had a frank conversation after we lost was it four or five one to derby 
yes uh, at, yeah, at yeah. Philbert at Street and and after that there was just no going back he was the new manager after after I think two weeks or something and hey and hey no I don't want to criticize what he did because he had his beliefs and I had mine but we, we it just didn't fit it just didn't fit and that was the biggest mistake that none of us actually took the time to find out does Jakob fit in to this environment we have here and I didn't really because I was so I just love playing football in England I just wanted to go back so yeah a difficult question to ask but after you you say goodbye to FC Copenhagen and look like you're coming back to Derby and that falls through are you ever the same because of how things work out were you ever the same footballer again uh, not after I left uh, Leicester I would say Never. Uh, I lost. Uh, I didn't lose a lot. I went to Rapid Vienna after um, uh, Leicester. Uh, had a fantastic manager there. We got on really, really well. He's fantastic. I've spoken to him many times after, but at the time, he wanted me to have a certain role at Rapid Vienna and. Um, Again, we tried, him and I, together to change things there. But we were, again, up against the biggest player probably in Austrian football who was at the club at the same time and, and basically uh, about to retire. But, but still, it's like when you don't make sure that players fit into the environment, even though that you as a manager have... Uh, a willingness and and you know you have to change the culture if you if you're not 100% sure you can do it and the player doesn't fit in you shouldn't well buy the player and the player shouldn't go there and I, after that I just lost interest to be honest uh, you know it's like when you played at the highest level and, and you lose one one and a half percent and you know <laughs> Then, then you know it's it's time to. I had a, I had a few offers when I moved back to to Denmark from there to to play at really good clubs in Denmark, but I thought like, listen, I'm just taking the Mickey if I go here. It's like, so basically, I more or less retired. I, I helped my former club for ten games retire, and then after six months, um, my old manager, who when I was fifteen. Uh, allowed me to train with the first team and that he was uh, the manager at, um, at a second division club in Denmark home and said, Jakob, I have a problem. Can you come and help me? I said, yes, but I can't train maybe once a week. So that's good enough for me. Just if you can play on the Sunday, do that. Uh, and I played in the second league uh, for a year where I trained, I don't know, once a week or something uh, and I helped him. And when he stopped, I, st- I stopped as well. Uh, wow, it's, um, it's it's again, it's another difficult question to ask. But if things, it's obviously because some of it's not football related. But if things work out differently, why you're at Derby and you don't lose that one and a half percent and then few percentages as a top top player, do you ever look back and think what could have been? Could I have gone to a different level, or is it difficult to do that? Um, no, because I, I, I've always been more or less happy with the decisions I've made. Uh, it's not. I'm not the person who looks back and says like, "Ah, oh, listen, this didn't work out. Or this this didn't work out." Um, 
things just happened. And um, I would have loved to play a derby. And like I said, I only feel I've, I've made one mistake uh, as a footballer. And that's when, um, when we didn't sit down to find a solution. Um, and, and I've told my mom and dad that they were idiots, to be honest. Why didn't you say something? She said, they said, they said listen, for us, it was the most important thing was for you to be happy. But yeah, we should have done something. But that's the only thing. And I don't think I would have. It was not so that I could have played another season for Derby and go on to something because I was actually happy where I was and wanted to help develop the club. And I enjoyed playing there. We had like um, a great manager, good teammates, um, I mean, fantastic stadium, great support and stuff like that. So, no, that was never my intention. It wasn't to be like, oh, let's see if I can go to a top four club and, and stuff like that. Because that was never in my mind. My mind was to do the best for the club where I was. Do you still look out for Derby County now? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> of course. No, no, no. That's that's my club. It's like uh, my friends now say, ah, oh, you support Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, and the best club in England. That's Derby County. And they say, what? What club? <laughs> Where are they? I said, uh, they're just uh, in the lower leagues, just in the championship, just waiting to come back and become a, a great club again. No, not a great club, but be back in the, in the best league. So. Yeah, just before you go, we need to speak about uh, Mikel Beck because we had him on a couple of weeks ago. He came on to speak to me. Um, yeah. Has, has he ever forgiven you for uh, recommending you come to Derby? Because I don't think Derby's his favourite place, judging by what he said to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's okay with that. I actually had Christmas with Mikel when he was uh, at Derby, and I don't think he regret that. For him, it, maybe it's the same as me going to Leicester. He just didn't fit in. Mm. And at the time, sometimes you make the mistakes as a manager, um, as a player, where you think, this sounds great, this looks good. Yes, I did the same at Leicester. I looked at the players, hmm, very good players. I've played against most of them. They'd won like uh, the League Cup. I knew Philbert Street was a bit like the baseball ground, you know, uh, an old stadium. It was nice. Um, yeah. We had a, a manager with a very good CV. So, but I, I should have like looked more into it. And, and it was, maybe it's the same with Mikel. And he asked me, well, I was never going to say, hey, listen, Mikel, Derby, it's a shit place. Don't come here. I thought it was a fantastic place. So, so of course, I would recommend him coming to, to Derby because I couldn't see it not work out. Uh, I knew Mikel was a, a, a good striker. Uh, his, uh, what he was good at, he was really good at. But that was not what we were looking for. We needed, we'd always had a striker with like speed, with flair and stuff like that. Mikel was better at like playing with his back towards goal and, and stuff like that and, and setting players up and that. And that's not what we need. We need somebody who could move a bit fast and make those runs. And, and that's what the, also the supporters got used to. So if they're used to looking at something and somebody else comes in and try and play in a different way, they're going, why is he doing that? That's not what we want to watch. We want something else. And it just didn't work out. And But uh, luckily for him, he's, he still had a very good career. 
We've had loads of questions in. I think I've covered most of what Derby County fans have. I've had loads of well wishes for yourself as well. Uh, loads Thank you very loads. much. Um, and I think I've covered all the questions people have sent in. But I think the only one that I've not asked you finally is, what was the best thing about living in Derby? Apart, obviously, apart from playing for Derby County, your memories of Derby. What was the best thing about Derby? Uh, I think uh, Derby is like, I actually, when I moved to Derby, <coughs> all my teammates said, hey, you can't live in Derby. It's not a good place. You have to move to Nottingham. There are like better things to do and, and stuff like that. I was like, no, I've got a nice house here. And what I really liked about, about Derby is like, if you go outside of Derby, 10, 15 minutes drive, you got nice countryside. Um, fantastic, I like that. It was easy to get to all sorts of places in England because it's sort of right in the middle of, of England. So I like that because where I live now is also the middle of Denmark. So I was used to, if you wanted to go on a trip, a day trip and stuff like that, you could do that. And then another thing was like, it was so nice to live in Derby because even though that you were a Premier League player, and I know things have changed from when we played and stuff like that. Uh, but you could actually go out and do your, your shopping at Tesco's and stuff like that. And, and, and people would just be polite and come up to you in a polite way with good manners and stuff like that. So it was just a nice, easy place. And for a footballer, it was like, there was no stress, there was no hassle. Uh, I mean, you didn't get too tempted about doing stupid things and stuff like that. So, so it was actually a good place, good environment to play football and concentrate on that and focus on that. Normally, uh, for the final question, I always ask like any regrets, but we've covered we've covered that slightly. So I'll change yeah. it slightly. Um, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to a young footballer now if if they asked you? The thing is, if you're a young footballer and uh, and you want to do well, you have to love. First of all, you have to love pain. If you don't like pain, you're never going to make it because it hurts when you play football. Because it hurts when you train and you have to push those boundaries and barriers all the time. You get knocks, but you cannot be out for like three weeks all the times because you just have a little knock. So you have to like pain or be able to control pain. And then you have to just, just stay focused. I don't understand why players today when they do stupid things just focus on your football just focus focus don't do anything hey listen if you want to go out with lovely girls and go on holidays and do stupid things do it when you're finished playing football do it when you're 35 then today you'll have you would have had a, a brilliant career you might have won things you might have seen places that people don't normally see uh, and you might have a lot of money and and I think I actually saw like I think it's many years ago when Harry Redknapp said it in, a, in an article I read in a newspaper in England and it's probably 15 years ago or something now he said he just, just didn't understand why players didn't say hey listen for the next when you're let's say 1820 from when I'm that age till I'm 35 I only go to training with the money you earn today, that's the only thing I would have loved. It's like being able to, you can like have your own physiotherapist, you can have your own fitness coach, you can have your own 
who makes all your food or diet and, and all that, it must be fantastic because if you want to play football, you want to become better and better and better. So just do that and have you can have all the fun after. Incredible. Uh, at the end of all the podcasts, we do a thing called Pass the Mic where I don't know if you'll... Are you in touch with any of the old Derby lads still? Uh, well, I was, I was actually communicating a bit with uh, Robbie van der Laan uh, and also Kevin Harper because we want to take this um, um, uh, coaching thing we do to to like um, the UK and that. And I spoke to Robbie and he's obviously also been to, to, in Toronto for many years and, and doing football schools or camps for, for Man United. So so we've been a, a bit in, in contact uh, a few years ago. I was still seeing Stefan Snore a little bit, so, but, but that's that's about it. I mean, you don't meet, but it's always fun with this football thing. It's like when you meet your old teammates and stuff like that, it's like it's only yesterday we, we last saw each other. <laughs> and that's the great thing about football. It's like a big family. We had Kevin Harper on about a month or so ago. We spoke to him as well and, and caught up with him. And would you be able to put a good word in with us for, for Robin van der Laan? Maybe get him on one day. We normally get someone to recommend the next person. Yes, I'll, I'll definitely definitely do that. Um, uh, I'll get in contact with him within the next month or so when this COVID thing uh, opens up a, a bit more, so we can plan. Uh, things for the future and I'll say to him listen you have to go on this uh, this podcast yeah 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 so it was a brilliant the best podcast I've ever done the best interview ever and just sell it to him I'll do that <laughs> definitely 100% <laughs> brilliant have you enjoyed yourself yes it's been great it's always nice to talk about Derby and, and stuff like that uh, and talk about football um, uh, I wish uh, not so many does it here in Denmark. I wish more would do it. And maybe also some would do it where, like you just said, if you can give a good advice to young players, um, give advice out to them so they, they actually hear from those who's done it. This is what you have to do. Just listen. It's, it's not science. It's not rocket science or anything. It's actually hard work. I've managed to get to nearly 50 minutes without, without saying this, but... Yeah, for a lot of my age, it was a real honour to see players like yourself and, and the side you played in at Derby County. We've not seen anything since that. So thank you for the memories and thank you for your time because it's been absolutely brilliant for me. Thank you very much. And it was also a pleasure for us, I mean, to play with the support we had because we felt like what it was when we played as well is like we also felt that the supporters and the fans appreciated what we were trying to do. They weren't looking for us to be like Chelsea at the the time and play like Rutgullet and Sola and stuff like that. They knew they liked that we worked hard and then we had the odd player who could do special things and, and it worked out and, and and we felt the appreciation from them. So for us, it was also a great time. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I can't express enough how brilliant it's been. I've really enjoyed it, Jakob. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. No problem. 